Hello and welcome to Engagement Express, the podcast series for HR, internal communications and engagement professionals, designed to give you tips and tricks on how to increase engagement in your organisations. Welcome to episode 21, where I'll be joined by the wonderful Trudy Lewis. Trudy Lewis is a communications consultant and executive coach, and through her company, Colinier, she helps leaders, managers, and professionals to be engaging, have impact and influence by mastering effective communication. Her goal is to enable people to gain an edge and confidently take their leadership to the next level. She's a chartered practitioner and board member of the CIPR and co-hosts a podcast, Calm Edged Rebels, with a previous guest, Advita Patel and the wonderful Jenny Field. Well, hello and welcome to Engagement Express. I'm so excited today to introduce Trudy Lewis. Trudy Lewis is someone I've been connected with for some time on social media, never met, as is the case with a lot of connections, but I followed her for a while and she's fantastic. She has a wealth of experience and is a global communications consultant and executive coach. So welcome to Engagement Express, Trudy. Hi, thanks for welcoming me. Thanks for inviting me to come along. No, you're very welcome. I'm so excited to talk to you today. So the topic we're going to focus on, I believe, is how the IC function or internal communications for those who are uninitiated with acronyms can partner with the leadership of an organisation more effectively. So give me a summary of what you mean when you say partner with uh, senior leaders more effectively. Yeah, sure. We, within internal communications, have a term trusted advisor, and it's really something that is designed to imply that we are supporting leadership or that leadership would come to us for advice around how best to communicate and how to connect with their audiences, which is the staff. And our role in internal communication is actually to be that facilitator, to create the comms, to be creative, to give them strategic direction around how best they can communicate. And it really covers whatever they need to communicate across the business. A lot of the times, that isn't something that we're able to get right. We get dictated to by leadership a lot of the times because they have a view on how that should go. But because we have the skill and expertise, we really need to step into that role of trusted advisor We really need to be that person that can guide them through to communicate and engage properly. So there's kind of a role of partnership between the two. And a few years ago, I did a report, piece of research with CIPR around the value and effectiveness of internal communication. What that showed up was that, yes, they thought we added value. It was very clear that they weren't quite clear how to work with us, how to use us. And then there was also the issue of the need for dialogue for us to really get in front of them, demonstrate some business acumen and be able to connect with them on a probably more deeper level to find out exactly who they are, how best they communicate, and then to make them look in the best light when it comes to the engagement and communications that we're asking them to do for the organization. Yeah, totally agree with you. It's such an emotive subject. And I have a slight problem with this, which you've alluded to already, in that you don't often get the time or 
the visibility um, or the access to leaders to be able to be that trusted advisor. So how would you suggest that internal communicators overcome that quandary? Gosh, I think that there are a number of ways. And, you know, you talk about blockages. That's one of the big challenges because every leader has a perception of what communications is. And many people, I always have this saying that everybody believes that they can communicate. Oh, yes. but not ev- not yeah. everybody is good at it. Exactly. And that's why you have expertise. That's why you have skilled people around you to help you to get it really right. And so as a result, you know, there are many blockages and some of those things that block us from actually having that ex- access to leadership are some of the things that we need to overcome first. One of the biggest one is being relevant to that leader understanding what's important to that leadership team and perhaps that CEO, being able to have a discussion almost on their level. So it's being curious, it's being interested in what's happening within the society as it relates to impact for the business. So what's happening in the environment that that's hitting the business? What's the purpose of the company? Why are we here? And actually get that from the senior leader because there is a view that they have, which is why they then are the people who set the strategy for the organization. So Hmm. rather than kind of getting it secondhand or just reading the existing material that's there, when you are in the role and kind of working with these people, it's really important to get it almost from the horse's mouth, if you want to say, if you want to put it that way. It kind of Mm -hmm. like find out exactly what they meant when they set up the values. What's the purpose of the organization? And those are the types of things that then filter down into your messaging so that when you do your comms, it's far more engaging. It's reaching the audience in a much more effective way because it's more authentic. And I think our role is kind of really being a bit more assertive, perhaps. Mm. Being bolder to actually not only have those conversations, but instigating those conversations. You're actually going to say, do you know what? I think it would be really good if we could have a weekly catch-up. And all I want to do is just talk to you about, I might have some questions, I might share some things that we're doing, but I would really like to have a catch-up with you. One of the very first things I do if I go into an organization to support them is I'll say to the senior leader, especially the person who has hired me, I want to have a one-to-one with everybody on the leadership team. And the reason why I do that is to just get a feel for how they are, for how they communicate. Some of them have real issues with communicating. They don't Mm. like to do it or they feel as if to say, do you know what? I feel a bit overwhelmed with having to speak to groups of people. And as we're in this pandemic and we're using Zoom, there's a whole different dynamic going on, a whole different issue going on to do with things like, well, I don't feel connected to my team anymore. I don't know how to reach them. And I think as you have those conversations with leadership, there are two keys to that conversation is that you listen to what they're saying and you come with some really good questions. And those two married together enable you to kind of start to paint a picture of who that leader is and how best to support him. One of the other things I've done is find out what they like as individuals to just even have some perhaps more informal conversations. So I think I had to write something for a leader once and I didn't know anything about him and I needed to write the very first blog that he did. Yeah. 
And I remember kind of struggling a bit and saying, oh my goodness, I don't know what to write. I don't know what to write. Yeah. And then I thought, do you know what? I'm just going to have a chat with him. And I had this really fantastic conversation with him. And I said, you know, I've got to write this blog, but I have, you know, I, I just wanted to know more about what you do. And he launched into this conversation about boating and sailing. And I was fascinated. And he sent to the point where he started to send me pictures, <laughs> the things of this boat. And, you know, it was a specific race that he was very interested in. And from just that conversation, I was able to effectively write a blog that reflected him and what he felt about teamwork. It was really a really simple thing, but sometimes we overthink it and we think that actually we've got to come with this big strategic whatever, but actually what we really need is to go in there with a simple conversation and you'd be surprised to know how much you'd learn about that leader. So those are just two things, you know, just kind of making the effort to instigate the conversation. And sometimes that can be daunting, Mm. but there's so much value in pushing beyond your comfort zone and saying, do you know what? I'm going to have that conversation or I've read an article and I understand something that's relevant that maybe might be useful to this leader. Mm. The the thing that we would say in that situation is that who am I to actually say this to a leader, you know, but when you think about it, we're all people. And Mm, sure are. I might read something that suddenly in the boardroom or whichever kind of forum I get to speak to them is so relevant as an example. And it just hits a nerve with somebody. So, you know, don't worry about kind of what it is. You will find that thing that you can kind of say, do you know what? That's a real hook. I can have a conversation with somebody else. And that's kind of a starting point, really. Yeah, um, no, that's a great starting conversation. point. A really good starting point. I loved what you said about values and purpose and, you know, bringing that to the everyday narrative because it adds so much value and it adds context, you know, and it gives people that belief that there's something yeah. more to what they're doing than just their everyday tasks. So I totally yeah. agree with you there. And also finding, you touched on a very interesting point, which I always try and push around finding out what leaders are good at and what they're not good at, strengths and mm. weaknesses, playing yeah. to the strengths and downplaying the weaknesses. Because often what happens is leaders will try to be something they're not because they feel they have to be. And I'm Mm -hmm. a great advocate for assigning leaders with the correct communication channel or a vehicle. Not everyone's a good speaker. Not everyone's a good writer. So you have to find, yeah, the right medium that suits. So I'm with you there. I'm with you there. But one thing I would say, you know, you're quite bold and you're very confident. And I think a lot of that comes through experience. Because I know from working for many organisations that most internal communicators can be quite junior. And if you're quite junior, then you are relatively inexperienced. If you're relatively inexperienced, then you don't necessarily feel confident to be able to say, let me have a chat like you did Mm. when you had to write that blog, that first blog. So I wonder how you could approach that. You know, if you're quite new to an organization, you're new to the function, internal communications, you don't have that much work experience and you've been brought into a relatively senior role as an internal communications manager. How do you start that conversation? How do you come at it? And one thing that I also want you to talk to me about is gatekeepers, because I have 
a real issue with them. Often it's not the leaders that don't want to chat to the internal communicators that don't want to collaborate. It's the gatekeepers that stop you from doing so. Mm. So how do you get past those pesky pesky (laughs) gatekeepers? (laughs) I love those gatekeepers. Anyway, I think how you start a really good approach is to just use the excuse that you're new and that you're just trying to explore more about the organization. And that gives you the kind of license to say, well, here are the people that I think I'd like to have a chat with. So many times within organizations, a relatively junior, because of how the comms is set up in most organizations, relatively junior people end up running projects. They do. End up leading quite big pieces of comms. They do, campaigns. yes. And I, there's part of me that says that's a fantastic opportunity, but it's also very difficult because there's that sense of feeling, do you know what? I'm just junior. Who am I to be talking to a senior director? And again, you know, that's where we have to get over our imposter a little bit because there is no way that they are thinking that from their perspective, they are looking at you as a professional who knows what they're talking about. When you go in timid and kind of a bit scared, then that comes off you. So basically it kind of affects the trust that they have in your ability. The minute you come in and start to make excuses and talk as if to say you don't know something. And the interesting thing, you know, obviously that's confidence and we all struggle with that. I struggle with it sometimes. But using the excuse that you're new and you want to set up brand new meetings with everybody is a really easy way of getting in and keep it light. You know, don't necessarily make it I have to impress them and show them that I know everything about strategy or everything about (laughs) whatever. Just go in armed with some really basic questions like, you know, how long have you been with the company? What Mm. motivated you to stay in this area? You know, just really simple things Mm. because they're human, just like us, you know, leaders are not, leaders are not ogres. Mm. Sometimes they can be difficult. Mm. Sometimes they can be hard to get through to, but I think my view is as internal communicators is that we need to be diplomats as well. Yeah. So we have to find a way, you know, the only way you can do comms effectively is if you get that information to feed into the comms that you're developing. And if it's an important issue, like a change program or so on, even more so you've got to get those answers. So, you know, just having a little bit of boldness to say, do you know what? I'm going to set up half an hour meetings with people to have a quick chat, introduce myself and see if I can start this process of dialogue with Mm. this leadership team. It is a really good way of doing it. And again, it's come with all the skill that you have. And the thing is, with us as communicators, I've met some amazing junior communicators who write well, who know how to sort out the audience mix, you know, who can come up with great work on channels, really creative. I've met some amazing ones in my lifetime. I think some that have even surprised me. And I think it's be confident in that, that, you know, you've done the studies. Yeah. You know what you know, but they don't know what you know. And they don't know comms at the level that you know comms. You know, we've studied it. I know most communicators actually go out there and study these things simply because They want to be good at it. So Mm. it's almost like that's what you have to put forward and be confident. In terms of the gatekeepers, I said they were friends genuinely because I actively make an effort to be friends with gatekeepers. 
And that's how I overcome them. <laughs> so I genuinely just be kind to them. It probably came from the fact that years ago, a very, very long time ago, I was a PA. Oh, wow. I had a, I had a boss. That was when I was 18, so a right. very long time ago. I was a couple PA. of years ago, I, Trudy. Yeah, <laughs> I wish. <laughs> I had a boss. I was quite young in a very senior role. I was a general manager's PA at 18 and it was for a hotel. And I had to be that gatekeeper, you know, and I think there's a lot that you have to deal with as a gatekeeper. So you've got your boss putting demands on you, the business putting demands on you. And sometimes it's just as simple as saying, do you know what? I'm going to get to know this person Mm. And also explain to them why it's important for me to meet with them. And when we actually explain our why, I'm not just wanting to speak to him because I want to be seen. There's a genuine reason. If I don't get to speak to him, I won't get the information I need to develop this comms. And eventually, once you start to build some kind of rapport with those gatekeepers, you find that, you know, I think I was working somewhere where the gatekeeper would actually call me and say, this is a great time. <laughs> yeah, I've had that as well. Are, yeah, come upstairs yeah. to the boardroom, come and talk to them. And they would advocate on my behalf. And I yeah. think that's what you want to do with your gatekeepers. You want to turn them into advocates. You want them to understand what communication is as well, because as gatekeepers, they have to communicate too. So you almost want to get them on side, not in a kind of ingenuous way but in a real way because the reality is as gatekeeper they have so much knowledge about that boss they have Mm. so much knowledge about the business and I've found many times that if I can't get to them you know picking the brain of a gatekeeper actually helps me with the information I need so I was just about to say that I, I would yeah I'd encourage anybody just get to know them yeah, EAs and PAs are always an internal communicator's best friends. I um, think and <laughs> Yeah, and like you said, I was just about to say that they can stand in quite often and provide additional support. If that leader isn't available, they can stand in for them and say, well, I know that they would say this and I know in the past they've said that. So you're right in saying that you need to keep them on side because they're extremely valuable in that space. That's amazing. I didn't realize that you were a PA back in a former life, albeit (laughs) many years ago. That's wonderful to to see that. You've seen both sides of the coin then, gatekeeper and someone trying to get through the gate. (laughs) Yeah, I I, I think that's where I started. And then I moved into hospitality management. Yeah. And then later doing PR in terms of studying and then transitioned to internal comms. So why did you do that? I'm interested because everyone, and this is totally a perception and also a reality. It might not be something that internal communicators like to hear, but it is quite true that internal comms is often seen as the poor cousin to PR and external and marketing. Mm -hmm. So why did you make the transition from an area that's more highly understood and well-received than internal communications? I thought that internal communications was a bit more powerful and effective and it was more attractive because it had more challenge. So when I started working for an organization where it had a tiny team, it was the director and me and an editor, a writer, and we were doing internal and external comms. I liked the external comms part of it. So dealing with, we had, at the time we had eight 
PR agencies working for us. It was a very large company. And apart from the PR companies and looking after all of the press and all of that stuff, we also had to do the internal part that dealt with a lot of mergers and acquisitions. Hmm. And I got involved in all of the internal part of that and I absolutely loved it. It was far more engaging. I got the opportunity to work alongside leadership and advise them and kind of help them through some of, navigates through some of the, how do we keep people engaged while we're making people redundant, while we're making massive changes, while we're bringing in a brand new company. And I think that attracted me to it. It's harder. I think the whole point of it being a poor relation It's because we still haven't promoted what it is and how important it is within the organization. And if you think about now, where internal and external is melding together, in a sense, it always did. If you don't build your brand from the inside out, then you have challenges. And we're seeing this more and more as companies grapple with purpose, as they grapple with being relevant, being trusted you know, it has to be developed from the inside out. And so I look at internal comms as incredibly important. The discipline is very similar to PR in that we do very kind of similar things. There's some elements of marketing to it. We're still protecting the reputation of the most senior people in the organization as they are reflected to the audience, which is the employees. Yes. So I do think there are very close relations between the two in terms of what we're doing it's just the dynamic is different and I think internal comms is a bit more strategic too yeah I 100% agree with you there I think that internal communications can add so much more value and it's not necessarily a competition like you say they're much more integrated than they were and and internal are one and the same especially with the emergence of social media you know what you say externally and what you say internally you know they all merge and your internal advocates yeah just as important if not more than your external oh yes absolutely yeah that was such an excellent point about the integration you know it's something that organizations are still trying to do um, not necessarily successfully so do you have any tips on how to approach external and internal communications from an integrated perspective, ensuring the narrative matches up to the external and internal audiences? Yeah, I think for me, it's about where you start, your starting point. Um, To start with, it all links back to the purpose, the vision, values, the mission of the company. That's where it starts. And you've got to be clear on that, both in terms of what was written before But what was the intention behind those themes? Hmm. Um, A lot of the times those things are developed by marketing when they bring in a brand person and, you know, the brand person's come in and they are developing this with the leadership team. A lot of the times internal communications at that stage or corporate comms even are not necessarily involved. They're not. So they don't have a look into what those messages mean. And then they're just given, well, here's the details, make the narrative, you know, yeah. or here's the narrative that we've come up with from a marketing perspective, do something with it, you know? And I, yeah, I think, you know, the, the real kind of link there is to say, do you know what, let's do things a little bit more joined up. But then if you don't get the opportunity to do them joined up, the importance is to have that conversation perhaps with the marketing director who has helped to develop that or the agency 
to say, well, what was the intention behind that? And a lot of that comes back to, again, your leadership team, that conversation with them Mm. to say, well, what was the intention? And then the other challenge is they might have come up with an intention that doesn't resonate with the staff. So the staff don't see it. You know, if it's not real, you know, a lot of places might do this kind of hypothetical. This is what we would want to look like, but this is not necessarily what we really look like. And then they don't necessarily live the values that they've created. Mm -hmm. And to me, there's a lot of importance internally of finding out what part do employees play in that and how can we get them engaged in those messages How can we give meaning to our employees around what the strategy, the vision, the values mean? How can we do that? And I think that's a really big question. To me, that's your starting point to say, okay, we've developed that as an internal message. We don't necessarily separate the internal communications message from the external. If there's an external story going out, we need to make sure that we let the internal communicator know, hey, guess that's what, right. there's a story that's going out. How do we make sure that we tell our staff? Because the worst thing would be for your employees to read something that hits the internal reputation of the organization in the evening standard, mm. in another newspaper, because it's pumped out externally, but you haven't mm. shared any of that information internally. So you don't ever want that to happen. Because as I said, your internal audience is your external audience as well. Yeah. And so there's this kind of connection between marketing and PR and comms that needs to happen. It might happen at a very senior level. It doesn't really matter. It's just that Mm. it needs to happen where I like to recommend that teams do this thing where they kind of have this discovery meeting and they share. I worked for a comms team that was marketing and communications mixed together And I said, you know what, every month or every few weeks, you should have a meeting where you do a little show and tell. What are we talking about? You should have a mechanism that the wider team understand what press releases are going out. What are you pumping out on LinkedIn? What are you putting out there in terms of news stories? Which senior leader are we getting an interview for in the trades? You know, all of those types of things, because he may have a throwaway comment in a magazine (laughs) somewhere from an interview that actually impacts the internal. So Mm. the critical thing is to have that kind of sight of what's happening, what's coming up, and then where possible, share that information so that internally we can use it somehow or at the same time that something's going out externally, we've covered ourselves internally. And that's a really, really critical thing to do. It's a very hard thing to do because very, a lot of the times, especially PR and marketing, are working at a speed. They are. You know, they've got to churn things out quickly. They work a lot quicker than internal comms. So there's that thing of saying, oh, we just rushed ahead and did this. Yeah. But Sorry, we forgot to tell you. (laughs) Exactly. But if if you set it up from day one and say, do you know what, Mm. how I'd like us to work as a corporate marketing team yeah is let's do this discovery up front let's let's get into the habit of sharing information and then we can make sure that we're covering ourselves both internally and externally yeah I've never seen that in all my years (laughs) (laughs) working in internal communications they have always always considered internal comms as an afterthought 
and it's never been an integral part of their planning and it's just unfortunate it's not malicious and it's not vindictive yeah it's just the way things are but one of the things that I've found and unfortunately just gives us more work to do but one of the things that sometimes we have to do is be a bit annoying and keep (laughs) nagging them (laughs) and asking questions and saying do you know what what have you got going out today because we need to know or then the other thing is paying a lot of attention don't just be the internal communicator who only looks at what's going on in the internal world pay attention to what's being pumped out from your external areas like marketing and PR you know don't be oblivious to what's going on read those articles when your leaders are being interviewed and so on if there are thought pieces make sure that you've got sight of it So there's a little bit of responsibility that we also need to take by actually making the effort. If we're not seeing it coming naturally, we have to make the effort to get it. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you there totally. And that's so fascinating. Uh, Before I let you go, I want to ask you two further questions, which are around episode 18 of this podcast. I talked about 2021 and where we are now with internal communications and where internal communicators find themselves during this ongoing crisis around the Mm -hmm. pandemic. So, you know, we've obviously been brought to the table. We've had some spotlights. We've been a bit like the emperor with no clothes (laughs) in that you have no resources, no budget, but you're at the table anyway. (laughs) And people are watching you. (laughs) Everyone's expecting lots from you. So it's great. So you've got the exposure. People have a better understanding of what you do and, you know, your remit and your, you know, responsibilities, which is fantastic. But where do you see internal communicators going from here? Is this something they can leverage going forward? Or do you feel that it will end up going back to where it was before pre-COVID just to be in a function that executes and does nothing more? Mm. I think the power's in our own hands for that one. And I do think it's a huge opportunity. So... We've been put front and center of things because we were incredibly needed and communicators, rightly so, stepped up and did a brilliant job in most in many organizations to the point where their leadership team and managers and so on have recognized this. That's right. The opportunity that's there is you now have a kind of open door. So, yes, you stepped up, you you got Microsoft Teams launched, you got all the comms around that done. Yeah. And I think you have to use that kind of open door to start having that dialogue, start talking to them about some of the bigger things you need done within internal comms. Don't keep it on just the tactical level. Say, well, you know, we were able to do this in a crisis at speed, but there's so much more we could do if we were more prepared. So Mm. how can I help you? It's it's almost like a, how can I help you to make sure that the the next crisis we're a little bit more prepared Mm. or that we are able to work closely together? Because, you know, this isn't going to be the only crisis we face. And I think... I think there's a real opportunity for us to be that trusted advisor right now. So be that person that they come to. If during the pandemic they've turned to you and asked you a question, keep that dialogue going so that when they have a challenge, you're the first person they think, do you know what? I need Kate in here. I need her to advise me. I need her to listen to what's happening here 
because it's almost like, you know, that, you know, that thing about managing your manager. Yeah. This is a great opportunity to start managing your manager and saying, look, this is how you work with me to get the best out of my skill and experience, you know? And I, I think it a little bit kind of, the danger here is to say, you know, retired. I know some have worked incredibly hard, but the important thing is not to get complacent and not to miss that opportunity where you have access to somebody in an influential or senior position who can then use, use your skills to the best. And I think it's, I think it's a real place where we can train them. Do you know what? Here's how you work with comms to get the best out of it. So yeah, 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 that's what I I love that we should be doing. I love that. And I think you're right that there is a window. It's not going to stay open forever. And it certainly is open right now. And and everyone's been so consumed. I mean, I worked through the first wave uh, from start to finish and it was all consuming and really quite stressful and tiring, you know, really early starts, really late finishes. Mm -hmm. But everyone knew who we were and what we were doing. And it was so nice to see that acknowledgement, you know, and recognition and gratitude you know, for the difference yeah, we were yeah. making with employees, yeah, to understand what to do during this crisis, where to go, you know, the process to follow. So that indeed was a wonderful opportunity that we should not waste going forward. And oh, finally, no, Trudy, sure. I just want to ask what you're up to. You know, you've been so gracious to come and be a guest on this podcast. I want to give you the opportunity to showcase what you're up to oh. and what you're doing. <laughs> okay, <laughs> thank you. Well, I recently rebranded my company. So it was called Lewis Communicates, now called Colinear. Colinear means dots across a line, so points across a line, but it also is an anagram of my middle name, so you can all start guessing. <laughs> and what it's given me the opportunity to do is to widen that whole kind of coverage of leadership comms and to introduce more of a coaching model. I believe that leadership comms really needs to be coupled with coaching to help our leaders, but also to help us as practitioners to make sure that we are fit and ready to actually be influential and have some impact. So so it's to bring in a, a kind of wider offering around consulting and coaching around communication. It's also, as part of that, I created a model called EDGE, which is engaging, dynamic, genuine, and effective. And it talks to the attributes that leaders should have or should aspire to have in order to be engaging and influential in their leadership as it relates to communicating with their audiences. So really excited about that. I'm also a co-host of a podcast, Calm Edge Rebels, where myself, Jenny Field and Advita Patel talk about just relevant topics around communications and business. We're all entrepreneurs or business people. Yeah. And it's just talking about that. And yeah, I'm very involved in CIPR. I'm one of the board members there, which I'm quite proud of doing to champion the industry and to kind of raise the level of professionalism as much as possible. So in a nutshell, that's me. <laughs> yeah, you've been a very busy, busy woman. And that podcast is amazing yeah. with Evita. Evita listeners oh, will recognize <laughs> that so she was a guest on this podcast too. So yes. yeah, really good job there. And, and so fantastic to finally have the opportunity to interview you. I've really enjoyed yeah, your insights. Yeah. yeah, really fantastic. Thank you so much, Trudy. And good You're luck welcome. with all your future pursuits. Okay, thank you very much.